Okay, we're learning Daf Lamed Zayin. We're starting a few lines up from Lamed Vav Amid Beis. So again, we're discussing the Mutter Hanaf scenario. Ruben took a Nader, not going to get Hanaf from Shimon. So the question is, what types of activities can Shimon do for him and what types of things can he not? What is defined as giving real Hanaf in life and what is not? So the Mishnah said, It's Mutter for Shimon to teach Ruben Medrash Halach and it's also for him to teach him Psukim in the Torah. So Pashup Shad, it means, we're not talking about any money, it's not talking about any tutoring fees or anything. It's just simply saying, you know, don't give him the information of Psukim, but you're allowed to give him the information of Medrash Allah Chalakadah. So the Gemara obviously doesn't say there's no difference that we can understand. What would be the reason be not to teach him Psukim? Maybe you're saying that there could be Hanah uh, to him. And the Anah to him, what the Rishonim say, obviously it's not, again, not in the information because learning Torah, mitzvah there's no way we're going to consider absorbing information of Torah as, as tangible benefit. It's what we're meant to do. It's not, it's not a new, you know, real value of, of benefit that's going on. But it must be that maybe the person normally t- t- uh, charges, maybe there's a standard rate for teaching or standard tutoring fee, and he'd be, he'd be waiving that, so he'd be giving him anah. Maybe, maybe that's the way we could understand it. But then you could say the same thing about teaching a medrash. Medrash nami kamahanile. Like maybe there's a normal fee that he would charge for his time of teaching, and if uh, he's not gonna charge it, he's gonna waive the fee, then he'd be giving anah. So basically, we're, we're just going in circles here. What's the, gonna be the distinction between why he can't teach him sukim and he would be able to teach him medrash? So Amar Shmuel. We're talking about a place where the custom is that when people teach sukim, they ordinarily do charge. And therefore, if he waives the charge, he's giving him hanah. But they don't, we're talking about a place where people don't charge for teaching medrash. So therefore, if people know money charges, then it's not, it's not viewed that, 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 that I'm, by when I don't charge you, I'm giving you hanah. So it's a very arbitrary statement. We have been talking about a place where people normally charge for teaching, teaching psukim. They don't normally charge for teaching medrash. Therefore, if they teach for free, so for psukim, it's going to be also for medrash, it's going to be permitted. So the Gemara obviously calls that out. My pasca, like how do we get to that without qualifying it. Meaning, how can the mission just assume me, uh, assume I'm going to figure out that's the minuk? Like you could as well, let's say for example, you could have a mission teach the exact opposite. You cannot teach, me, you, you, you cannot teach medrash and you may teach psukim in a case where they normally charge for, uh, for, 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 for the, uh, for the medrash and not for the psukim. So, you could say just as well the opposite. You arbitrarily are assuming that they normally charge for the mikra and not for the medrash. Well, why is that? Why are you making such an assumption? So the Gemara says, what the answer here is, even if there is a custom where people do charge for the Pesukim and they are allowed to, and therefore it's Hana, if you're going to waive it, you're only allowed to charge for Pesukim. What the Mishnah is telling us is actually it's that it's forbidden to ever receive payment when you're teaching something else besides Pesukim. Only Pesukim you can charge for. It's also to charge for teaching other forms of Torahs. That's why the Mishnah is, is assuming that's the case because that's actually the law. You cannot charge for Medrash. So since there's no, you're not allowed to charge, we'll see in a second what the source is for this. Since you cannot charge for Medrash, you're always unequivocally allowed to teach Medrash because they're never going to be waiving any fee. For Pesukim, it could be an issue. When could it be an issue? If you're in a location where normally they, 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 they charge for teaching Pesukim and you would waive it. So basically what we're coming out with is that there, it is possible to charge a person to teach him psukim. It's impossible, it's forbidden to teach a person, uh, to charge a person for teaching him other forms of Torah. Therefore now, the Mishnah is talking about Shimon teaching Ruvain Torah for free. It's like the Mishnah, if he wants to teach him for free, 
Psokim, it's going to be Osir, because he's giving him the Hanav, waving his fee. The other parts of Torah will be Mutter, because anyways, there's no fee. So, how do we understand this Chilak? Maisha, Medrash, why are you telling me you can't take payment for teaching a person Medrash? What would the source of that be? I mean, you know, it's a democracy, right? It's capitalism. You can charge for whatever you want. Someone wants to pay. Why is that? How could there be a restriction against charging? Must be. The Pasuk says, Moshe Rabbeinu relates to Klai Yisrael, that I was given an instruction from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to relay the Torah that I learned over to the Jewish people. You know, Moshe's main job was he was the educator. He was the teacher of Torah to Klai Yisrael. Hashem told me to teach you. What does the Pasuk say? Behold, I've taught you the Torah just as Hashem has taught me. So Moshe is comparing the way that he learned Torah from Hashem to the way that he taught the Torah then to Klai Yisrael. So what is the point of that connection? The point is, we learn as follows. Just as Moshe. Just as I, Moshe Rabbeinu, I, was, I didn't get paid for any of this, right? When I learned from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he didn't pay me, I didn't pay him, there was no business, and then I related to you without payment. Moshe is very clear about that. There was no payments. So too, this is the model of how Torah is taught. Torah is taught forever. Um, so, so, so Torah should always be taught forever without payment. So this is the way we understand the Pasuk. Just as I taught you the laws without demanding payment, so too Hashem told me to do. This is basically the very, the, the, the idea is that, is, that, is that now forever the model of learning Torah is meant to be without charge. So therefore, now we're going to understand that's why a person is not allowed to charge for teaching Medrash. We can understand that. But what's the problem with that? So then, well, why is Pesachim any different? I mean, Torah is Torah, right? So if we're saying that other forms of Torah, Mekra, Medrash, Agada, you cannot charge for, there's no tutor's fee there. So then you should say the same thing for, uh, for Mikra. You should say the same thing for teaching Sukkim. How do we understand? Again, the great concept here that we showed him elaborate in Perka Yavos is that although there are times when one Jew may know the information more than somebody else, and he might, he might seem tempted to charge, therefore, for his knowledge, the key to understand is that there's this a great theme of equality when it comes to Torah. Like it talks about how there are different crowns. There's Kahuna, there's Leviya, there's Malchus, things where there's elitism and, and things, certain things are only for certain people. But the Kesar Torah, Allah Gaban, the crown of Torah is above all of them in the sense that everyone, anyone can have it. There's no person who has more than somebody else. And the way that we express that in our relationships is that a person actually has the right to demand the knowledge out from somebody else. It's a fascinating thing. In other words, normally you think the knowledge is mine. So therefore, if I have it and you want it, so then I can charge you for it. But that it actually works the other, the other way, that every Jew is in, has an entitlement to, to know the Torah. He, that's an innate, innate entitlement that we have, this, the Kasim Torah. If somebody else knows the Torah and you want it from them, you actually have a right to come and demand it from them. So there's a din that they can't charge. So the Gemara, therefore, is asking, very good, that's how we understand now you can never charge for other forms of Torah. That's why you're not giving him, Shema's not giving Reuben any Anna when he's teaching him. So then what's Pshat? That for Mikra, it's not like that. So the Gemara explains as follows. You're right. You're not, when you're teaching Mikra, just one thing. Normally, who are you teaching Mikra to? Little kids. Little kids. And if you're teaching little kids, therefore what? You're right. You're not being paid for teaching. You're being, you're being paid for the babysitting. Right? That's the idea. Teachers are paid not for the information that they're relaying. They're, they're paid for guarding the kids. So basically, he's in charge of watching them. So you're paying him based upon that. Now, interesting, it's not, it seems, you know, the post can say here, it doesn't have to be that you pay him babysitting rights. You can pay him, at, you know, maybe, hopefully it's more what a teacher gets paid than what a babysitter gets paid. But the, 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 the point is that we relate it, relate to the schar to that. Again, that's as far, though, that would only make sense if it's children. It wouldn't make sense if it's, if it's, uh, if it's adults. According to this answer, the Gemara, if you're teaching an adult, so can also, you can't teach, you cannot charge. 
Yochanan says a different Yisoyed. You can get paid for teaching the Pisach HaTaimim. Pisach HaTaimim is like the way that, you know, um, the way that you, you, you all the different breakups in the, in the Psokim, how to know when to make the breaks and the pauses and the commas. So those types of things, that the tutor is allowed to, um, that he's allowed to, that, he, that he's allowed to charge for. And, and it's very interesting what, what exactly the Yisoyed of why you're allowed to charge for this. It seems to be that the Gemara holds that that's not the Arai, so all these different extra points in the grammar, maybe the way the words sound, as we're explorer on the Ahmed Beis, these things are not Torah. Meaning the Etzim Torah is just the scripture itself. All these other things in the Torah that we have in terms of the way they sound and the syntax of the words, so on and so forth, those points are not Torah itself. Those are only rabbinic forms. So therefore, there's no Isser for, um, for teaching, for teaching, for teaching, for, for charging for that. that. That would be the idea. Okay, so two very different ideas about why a person can charge for mikra. One approach is that specific because it's children, you can charge for the babysitting. And the second approach is, no, even for an adult, you can charge not for the, the words themselves, but you're, you, you can charge for the extras, the, the extra stuff that goes into learning Chumash, like the Pisa and the way that some words are pronounced and sound and, and so on and so forth. Those are the parts that you can charge for. Okay, Gavaldik. So now the Gemara turns it over to our Mishnah. Tonight, Lo Yimadenu Mikra. In our Mishnah, we were saying you can't teach Mikra. Again, we're understanding it means you can't waive the normal fee, right? Normally, there's a fee, you can't waive it. So the Mishnah, who are we talking about? We're talking about Reuven took a vow not to take an off from Shimon. So, and, and now we're saying there should be a normal fee, but Shimon, if he'd waived the fee, would be giving Reuven an off. So, if normally you're allowed to charge for teaching the way the cantillations go, the sounds go, then everything's good. Because the tutor normally would be allowed to accept payment for teaching peace with time. And if he waives it, then, then he's giving Hana. But if you only can charge for the babysitting, God of Shimor, who in the Mishnah, we're not talking about kids, right? The Mishnah is talking about the mother Hana. Reuven took a vow, not that I have Hana from Shimon. So presumably we're talking about adults. We're talking about adults. So then, anyways, you can't charge when you teach Psukim. According to this opinion, the only time you can charge for, t- for teaching Psukim is when you teach little kids. You charge for the babysitting. Presumably, our Mishnah, the mother Hana scenario, is not talking about a child. So we're, we're talking about adults, and still it's before you would have been allowed to charge. How do we understand that? What would the Isser, if it's an LMI, you wouldn't have been able to charge? So what's the problem with teaching him? So you have to say a very forced thing, that the mother I know here was a child. It's a very interesting thing. There was some ban that Shimon placed on the child, Ruvain, that, that he wouldn't give him an off. And therefore, the only possible charge, charge here would be what, then when he teaches him, that's why now it's also for him to teach him Mikra, because ordinarily he'd be allowed to charge the babysitting fee. If he's not going to charge, he's waiving it, then he's giving Hana to Reuven. Now, what's interesting is he's really giving Hana to Reuven, he's giving Hana to Reuven's father, right? Who normally pays the babysitting fee. Not so easy to understand. Okay. Uh, says the Gemara, and if we're talking about a katan, ima seifa, why don't we look at the end of the Mishnah? The end of the Mishnah says, even though you can't teach the person Mikra, Avalaman is bought of Mikra. You can teach the, 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 the person's sons, Sukkim. If we're talking about that there's a kid, there's a kid capable of having children, obviously we're talking about an adult, because the Mishnah says Shimon can't teach Ruvain, but he could teach Ruvain's children. So if, if Ruvain here has to be a child, because if he's not a child, then anyways, there was nothing to charge for, right? So then, so then what's going on? How does Ruvain have kids? Says the the Mishnah is incomplete and we're missing just information. The way you read the Mishnah is as follows. He cannot teach him the Psokim Bekatan. This is only talking about when the kid is a nether. When the kid with the nether, when the, the subject of the nether is a kid, because then he would have been able to charge for the babysitting if he waves it, he's giving him anah. Now, in Mahayagado, but if he, the, the subject of the nether is an adult, if Reuven is an adult, then Malam Dolo. He's allowed to teach it to him because then, anyways, there's no fee. Lubanov and to his children, Mikra, he'd be allowed to teach him and his children. So we kind of amend the Mishnah to make that flip between 
child and adult. And in Achanami, the mission was only answering Shimon to teach Ruvain when Ruvain is a child. Therefore, it would have ordinarily been allowed for Shimon to charge for the babysitting. And if he waves the fee, they would be giving Hana. Givaldik. Okay. So, the Gemara. So, again, we have a machlekes, just again, the Chazar where we are. There's a Yisoy really Mariti Eschem that you're not allowed to charge for teaching Tyre. There's such a Yisoy. Now, um, the, the, the Gemara is saying, though, that that only applies to most areas of Torah, but when you're teaching Psukim, you're allowed to. But there are fundamentally two very different views about why you're allowed to. According to Rav, it's only, you're only allowed to charge when you're teaching little kids because of the babysitting you're charging for. Rabbi Yochanan holds, no, you're allowed to charge even when you're teaching adults because you're charging for the other parts which aren't really Torah, it's, it's Torah itself, Torah law, all the cantillations that go into the Psukim. So the Gemara says, we have a on Ra from the Bride, school children, the halacha is, can you, you know, think about this, you're a kid. Can there be school on Shabbos? Is it outlawed by, by law to have school on Shabbos? That's basically what we're saying. So the halacha is that it's forbidden to have a, a, a lesson for children where they're le- learning new things on Shabbos. Allah shown Barishon, they can only review the material. So what's the pshat in the Zahalacha, right? Kids can have a school lesson, but only to review, that, but they cannot learn new material. What in the world could the pshat in that be? So let's just a little background to this. There's a halacha that a person cannot be paid for work that they do on Shabbos. It's called schar Shabbos. In other words, you can't, even if you're not violating malacha, you're not doing one of the 39 malachos, but you cannot be paid for labor that a person does specifically on Shabbos. Okay? That's the halacha. So the Gemara, and again, that's a Durabanan because, you know, it's a, you're like a worker on Shabbos, whatever it is. Fine. If the pshad is that you can, when you teach, you're allowed to charge for psukim because of the cancellation of the psukim, all is good. Now we understand why they can't read new material in Shabbos, but they're allowed to review. Why? Because if you're teaching them new psukim, so then what? So then you, there, there's a payment for that, right? When you teach new psukim, you get paid because of all the cancellations. You're, you're introducing all the new cancellations. So therefore, you get, you're getting paid. You're charging for it, and that's why you're not allowed to do it. You're not allowed to do it because of the Israel of Schar Shabbos. But if it's, you're just looking over what they're reviewing, so then you, there's nothing to charge, and there's nothing to charge for. So now we understand what it's saying that they're not allowed to read new material because of the issue that the tutor would, would be taking Schar Shabbos, but they could review the material because he's not paid. It's time for that. Okay, in other words, according to this view, you're never paid for the supervision, you're only paid for the Pisa Katayimim. So very good. So to have a new lesson where they're learning new Pisa Katayimim, they're interacting about the cantillations and listen kids, repeat after me, so that's going to be awesome. Because then there's a fee that he would charge for that. That's going to be Schar Shabbos. El Amar, Schar Shimor, but according to the opinion that you only get paid for this Shimor. So what in the world is the distinction between new material and old material? What should the difference be between whether you're teaching them new things or they're reviewing? Either way, they have, to be, they have to be babysat. So if the reason why a tutor is paid is because of the babysitting fees, then it should be us or even if they're reviewing their old studies. So what basically we're saying is that the only, the only way we can understand why you, it's forbidden to teach them new stuff, but it's mutter to review, would be if the charging is not for the babysitting, but the charging is for the cancellation, then it would make sense. But if the idea is that the payment is for the babysitting, so then what's the difference? So according to what you're saying, do you think that if you have a teacher, the teacher gets paid a salary, you know, let's say twice, you know, twice a month, once a month or something like that. You think it's an issue of one of the days that he works at Shabbos? Havlahi, the payment is swallowed up in a greater amount. What does that mean, Havla? You're not a daily worker. You don't get paid by the day. 
You, uh, it's a general. You're on. You're on. You're on payroll. You get paid once in a while. You get paid for work that you do over accumulated time. Happens to be one of the days that you work is Shabbos. That's never an issue with Chayr Shabbos. Chayr Shabbos is only when you're hired for this work that you're doing specifically on Shabbos. Then it's an issue. But whenever it's 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 mixed up with other days, it's not a problem. The issue is because it doesn't. It's not appear that you're getting paid for that work. You know, it is overall. Where do we see this? Titania says in a bride, somebody's hiring an employee to babysit, to guard a cow, like for paraduma, or to, um, to be shomer the zroim, for the carbon omer, you want to make sure that nothing goes wrong. We have to make sure to be, that, that everything is going to be good for the carbon omer. Ain't no small scar shabbos. You can't, if it's a worker who's getting paid just for that day, you can't give him the scar shabbos. So lefikach, therefore, since he's not getting paid, he's going to be doing it pro bono just, just, just for free. So if the cow or the shoots are lost or something gets damaged, they're not liable. Why? Because they're not getting paid. If you're not getting paid, then the level of accountability is very low. Shomer Chinam is not responsible if something gets stolen or lost. Not a big deal. Right? Because you're not paying him. You can't demand higher level of accountability. But in my Yisker Shabbos, Yisker Chodesh, Yisker Shana, Yisker Shavua, if it's the worker who was paid by the week, the month, the year, or for a seven-year period, and then you could calculate what he's getting paid for for Shabbos. Meaning, since it's going to be swallowed into the overall uh, salary check, so therefore, you could pay him a little bit more for what he does on the Shabbos because it's swallowed up. Lefikach, since he's benefiting, he's getting paid. Im avdu, if some of these something happens to these things on Shabbos, and he's chay if he's liable. Why? Because since he's getting paid, he's chay being neva So what do we see here? We see that it's mutter to be compensated for work done on Shabbos as long as it's havla, as long as it's swallowed up in the greater sum that's paid for a longer amount of time. Now, what what is a teacher paid for? Usually, a teacher isn't you know you hire a tutor for just one day. Usually, it's uh, it's, it's like uh, it's an ongoing thing where there's law. So therefore, you should always be allowed to pay the tutor for work that they do on Shabbos. So our, basically what we're saying is that whether you hold like Rav or Rabbi Yochanan, we have to revisit the Pshat over here. We were originally saying we could understand why you can't teach them new material, but you could teach them old material according to Rabbi Yochanan that it's because of peace of time. But now what we're saying is no, nothing that we ever said here made sense. Because anyways, it's Bahav law and it should be Mutter. So the Gemara says a different reason. You're right. The issue of teaching kids new material on Shabbos cannot be because of Schar Shabbos. It must be because of a new material, a new reason altogether. The reason why you can't um, why you can't pay someone to teach school children new material has nothing to do with the payment. So that's a, it should be the, the parents' ch- turn to, 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 to have the mitzvah of Shabbos. What does that mean? It should be the parent's turn to have the mitzvah of Shabbos. This is absolutely fascinating. The Ron explains that a parent has, ch- has, has pleasure, has oneg from learning with their children or spending time with their children on Shabbos. So if they're depriving the parents of that, if you send your kids to school on Shabbos, what you're doing is depriving the... Um, the, uh, the, the, the father spending time with them. The kid's in the middle of the lesson. I'm not going to disturb, right? This is important business. So therefore, the father is going to be deprived of his enjoyment of the Shabbos. And that's why it's forbidden. Masha'enkin, I guess, if it's, if it's new material where it's not a big deal, you know, it's just quick, in and out. The parents are, have a lot to do. It's not a big deal. The lesson, we can come in, in and out. It's, you know, it's chill. It's chill when you're just reviewing the studies. So then it's not a problem to do that on Shabbos. Absolutely fascinating concept here. A part of the Hanah of parents enjoying the Shabbos is spending time with the kids. All right, that's one, one approach here. So as the Gemara, you know, today there's the opposite. The chiv of the parents on Shabbos, right, is that you have Abbas Rabbanim, whatever. You have to teach the kid. That's not what the Gemara is saying. The Gemara is saying the opposite, that the, ki- the, 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 the kids shouldn't be taught new material because the parents should be hanging out with the kids. That's the Hanah of the parent. If, if, if that's the Hanah for the parent to teach them Torah, then be it, so be it. But that, that's not the angle on what the Gemara is saying. Says the Gemara, another pshat. 
Also a fascinating answer. Usually people, and certainly children, overeat on Shabbos, meaning they eat more than they're used to. The Alma, the whole world gets very heavy, meaning that they get very tired. And therefore they just can't learn well. It's hard to concentrate. If you change your eating habits, then that can change you know, what, what, what's going down in the stomach. So basically we've come out now very clear that the issue with teaching kids new material on Shabbos has got nothing to do with this Chav Shabbos whatsoever. So if you want to hire a babysitter for two hours on Shabbos and you want to pay the babysitter, is there any heter whatsoever in the world to do that? Or is it just black and white in the Gemara that that's awesome? You've got to have a monthly babysitter. You've got to have a weekly babysitter. Any heter? Okay, we'll think about it. Now that's so we clarified two things. What's the pshat um, when we spoke about, again, that you're allowed to teach for, for Mikra and why mother Hana, therefore, if you wave your feet, it's also, we came out with two pshatim. The schar, the piece of time in, the schar for teaching cancellations with Yochanan, and Rav, the idea about with little kids that you're paid for the babysitting. So according to Rabbi Yochanan, why didn't he say like Rav that you're allowed to charge for the babysitting? He says, do, do girls need uh, guarding? So notice, what do we mean to say? That, um, that, that it, it, it doesn't sound like we're only, we're only talking about little boys in the Mishnah. We're talking about anybody. So if the only reason why you ever charge is because of the, the, the babysitting fee, there's, girls don't need babysitting fees. Understand? I, I'm saying babysitting as if like, you know, it's contemporary times. It, it means keeping the kids safe that they don't go outside. And, and get damaged. But the point is, girls, anyways, don't go outside. So in those times, if someone was, you know, there were girls, they didn't need the babysitting fee. That's what it sounds like. So Rabbi Yochanan was saying, according to what you're saying, girls wouldn't be included, and the Mishnah didn't distinguish between boys and girls. Clearly, the fee is not for the babysitting. Interesting. Says the Gemara, what about the other one? According to Rab, who was saying that the payment is for the babysitting, why didn't he say that you could charge for the cancellations? Says the Gemara, that is also, there's a din da that it's part of the Torah itself, the piece of time. So therefore, just as for the Torah, for the words of Torah, you can't charge, you can't charge for the piece of time before. Yochanan was saying piece of time is like the, you know, the extras. It's not really Torah itself. It's just the add-ons that the rabbis made. So you could charge for that. But Ravel, it's not true. Ravel's a piece of time is from the Torah. So the same way you can't charge for teaching Torah, you can't charge for the piece of time either. And now the Gemara gets into that. What are the sources that the cancellations come from the Torah? The Pasuk says, Pastor is talking about in, uh, in the beginning of the second base Hamikdash when everybody came back, and uh, they were they now had like a you know they were recommitting to the Torah they had the new base Hamikdash. So the pasuk says, "Why Yikaru b'Sefer Torah Selokim?" They read from the Torah from Hashem's Torah. Meforash, it was very it was elucidated, it was clear. Vasum seichel, all made sense by Vino by Mikra. They were able to understand what it was that they were reading. So we expound this vows. Yikaru b'Sefer Torah Selokim said Mikra. That means they were able to read the psukim properly. Meforash, it was elucidated as a target, meaning they had proper translations. Uh, that Ezra made sure that the words were translated so that people understood. That it was rational, that means the psukim, the divisions into it. Meaning to say the way that, you know, the commas and the, and the breaks, so on and so forth, about knowing how to, how to read it properly. By Vino by Mikron, they were able to understand that piece of time, and that means the cancellations. So that's, you know, what we have, what we call the trup. So therefore, it makes sense. For Amila, other people say, these are the traditions, meaning we have different traditions about things that sometimes. Things are written Malay, sometimes things are missing chasr, you know, sometimes you can know what the word is, but to know what exactly the letters are is a different story. So those things are Darais according to this opinion. Now the Gemara just gets into this a little bit. Amar Bitzchuk Mikra Sofrim, the way that the, the scribes, right, tell, tell us to read it, meaning the right, the, the right way that the words sound. So the Gemara is going to give us some examples with this, but like, basically, like a lot of times we have, we have Nekudos, right? 
So there's no nekudos in the Torah. So if there's no nekudos in the Torah, then how do you know how to read it? For example, mem tzadi reish yud mem. How do you know if that's Mitzrayim or if that's Mitzrim? How do you have any idea? So that's mikra sofrim. That's the way that we're taught from the scribes about what, how, to, how to pronounce the words. The eater sofrim. Sometimes you have, the way, again, we're saying scribes because the scribes write the Torah, but it means the, the rabbis here. So, so I, the, the way that the rabbis tell us that certain words are used simply in style, meaning there are times when the Torah doesn't really need a word and it's there anyway. The concept of a word which is read but not written, right? There's, a, that's an, there's an example like that. Sometimes we'll see in the Gemara will give us. But sometimes literally we will, we will not have words appear in the written text, but we simply have a tradition that they should be read when you're reading the Torah. Or sometimes we have the opposite, that the word is written, but the Mesorah is that we don't read the word. All of these things, where does all this come from, right? I mean, where do you get such a thing? It's in the text, but don't read it. We have to understand that all of this was taught to Moshe at Sinai, and this is a tradition. So this is unbelievable, unbelievable ideas. They're all part of Torah itself. So now the Gemara is going to give us examples for all this. Mikra Seifrim, the idea of how to pronounce things with the right Nikudos, Eretz versus Aretz, Shamayim, Mitzrayim, all these things, right? Sometimes it's Eretz, sometimes it's Aretz, sometimes we have rules and grammar, but you've got to figure it out based upon Nalach Mishim Sinai. Or as I said, like that example, Mitzrayim as opposed to Mitzrim. So that's a different thing. I don't know if it's a patacher or what's it? A chirik. Eater sofrim, achar tavor. So this is when, right, where the, the Pasuk is appearing when Avram's inviting in the guests. So he says, I'm going to get you bread. You're going to eat. And achar tavor. So the word achar is actually an extra word because it could have just said you'll eat vitavoru. Achar tavor is an extra word. Vitavor would have sufficed. Or achar telech. This is with uh, Rivka. Says, let, the, let her stay with us for a year or 10 months. And then she will go achar telech. It could have just said vitelech. Achar teyasef. Again, many, many of these examples where it could have just said vitelech. Achar is an extra word. Kid musharm, achar noksim. We're just quoting a bunch of psukim. So in those cases, it's an extra, it's not new information, it's just, it's just enhancing the words, and we're saying, therefore, it's extra. But we know that it's meant to be there. Another example, so we're saying that the righteousness is like the, the, the mighty mountain. So the word is extra. I could have just said, that would, that would have sufficed for its meaning itself. Fine. So those are all when we seem to have extra words, but they're just there, and, and it's good for style. Then Kairn Then we have examples of words which we have a Mesora to read, even though they're not in the text. So it's interesting. All these are from Navi, so that's why we're not so familiar. Like if you would ask somebody, is there ever a time when you read a word, not re- like word it differently, not read it differently than the words in the Torah? Just I'm like sticking an extra word. You ever know anything about? So those are from Navi here. Pras the Velechto. The word Pras in the uh, in the Pasuk Velechto. So we add a word there. Adding the word ish in the uh, in, in the phrase uh, the word ba'im that's in the the, the phrase of nivnasa la the plata as hugad hugad elai da goren these are all examples of where we have a mesorah and then pesukim and navi that we read more elai da sirim and halain all these things karen v'lo even they are read even though the words don't appear in the text and then the inverse even v'lo karyan. No, this lach. Again, these are navi, so it's hard for us to, to relate to them. But uh, we, we have a word please, which is written in the text, but, not, but is not read aloud. Similarly, so zos, zos to hamitzvah. So this is a fascinating one because this actually is in the psukim. It's in the Torah. So you might want to take a look. It's on the side of the Gemara. It says, mm-hmm. So what are we saying? That so this word, zos, um, it seems that we're saying it's kind of a loksiva. So there's a big question about what exactly it's supposed to say here. What is the thing? So actually, the Ran says if you take a look at the top Ran, Zosta Mitzvah, the Ran says that actually in our Sifri Torah, it's not like that. 
In other words, it's just not there, right? So I've got to figure that out. Sometimes we're having different messiahs about this. Um, the second one, we have Erdrech Adorich and Chamesh to Pa'as Negev. In all these things are examples of Alink Savan Velokaren. Even though they're written, they are not read. So, and all these things are examples, but the Gemara is telling us So, ultimately, in conclusion, what do we have? We have that uh, a person could theoretically charge for psukim, even though there's a theme not to charge for teaching Torah. You could theoretically charge for psukim. There's two reasons: either you're charging for the babysitting if you're teaching kids, or you're charging for teaching the cancellation of the of the, of the psukim for the trap if the trap is not the arisa. There's a machlokas in that point. One opinion said trap is the arisa, and that's why you can't charge for the trap. You can only charge for that. After all is said and done, that's where we understand our mission. Our mission says you can't teach. In the mother Hana scenario, it means you can't teach. If normally there's a fee and you're going to waive the fee, it would be giving Hana, and therefore that's awesome.